Welcome to the Pro Aging Podcast. I'm Steve Gurney, founder of Positive Aging Sourcebook. We're excited that you can join us for our interactive discussions with pioneers and thought leaders on a wide variety of topics related to aging and longevity. Today, we have a first of its kind discussion with a panel of universal design experts who share their insights, thoughts, and solutions to an actual home in Kensington, Maryland. Our panel members include Lori Pross, who's the homeowner in Kensington, Maryland, and a Villages of Kensington board member. And we also have uh, Louis Tenenbaum with Homes Renewed, Greg Sieb with Live in Place, Ali Sultani with Handy Pro, Stephen Haig with Strategies for Independent Living, and Greg Oliveria with Get a Grip Construction Services. Let's jump into this discussion. And if you're listening to this on podcast and you want to see some of the vi- visuals, you can jump over to positiveagingsourcebook.com to see the video. Let's jump into the conversation. Uh, I, um, I, I'm, I'm really, th- we met Jacob last week. Uh, so now it's your turn. Uh, so first off, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, the role that you play there at Caption Call. Sure, um, thank you, Steve. I am the uh, Caption Call account manager for Eastern Pennsylvania. Um, I've been with Caption Call for uh, seven years, but we've had the Caption Call phone in our home for about eight years. My husband and I have four children, and two of our children were born with hearing loss. And our audiologist signed up our children for the federal phone captioning program. And uh, it was an amazing tool for our children uh, to be able to make their phone calls by themselves. Um, Job interviews, so many job interviews these days requires first a phone interview. And for people with hearing loss, um, that could be the end of their job um, interview process. So uh, it was a huge valuable tool for them. Um, They are now, Caroline is 24, uh, working on her doctorate in OT at uh, U Sciences and uh, Clark is 21. Uh, working on a biomedical engineering degree. Wow, what a great story. And, you know, we talk about workplace and job issues on these discussions quite frequently, and you are a model of what a great candidate is, is is that think about a product or service that you've actually used and you enjoy. What a great place to work. Um, This is great. Give us a brief overview of, of what Caption Call is for those of in the audience that are not familiar with it? Sure, Um, so Caption Call is a a program that is provided at no cost um, under the federal captioning phone program. So there are no fees or charges for people that have difficulties um, using the phone. The phone actually types what the other person is saying, just like captioning on your TV. So we actually have a physical phone and the service. And as I said, that's all provided at no cost. Um, the FCC is the administrator of the program, and they pay Caption Call to provide this service under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Great. All right. Well, thanks so much to you and your team. And uh, I understand you're really interested in this topic that we've got today. Yes. Yeah, so um, my parents moved in with us about um, two years ago. My father, father fell from a ladder <laughs> hanging at Christmas tree and suffered a traumatic brain injury. And uh, we are finally in the midst of making an in-law suite for them. And our plan is, um, it's it's designed to be fully accessible and we're incorporating smart home technology into that space 
uh, to make them be able to live as independently as possible. Well, you tuned into the right discussion. So thanks so much, uh, <laughs> Wendy. And uh, let's, um, let's move on to the topic of the day. And, and I am super excited about this. Um, that, you know, for 30 years, I have been trying to convince our readers to make modifications before they're in the hospital and, and coming home. And the, uh, it's, it's been somewhat challenging, you know, to convince folks. And as we started doing these digital discussions, I realized, you know, this is the perfect venue for us to really put together a meaningful conversation on uh, creating a safe and accessible home. And so I want to introduce uh, two, first two people that um, I um, are very near and dear to me, and that's Lori Pross and Louis Tenenbaum. And um, Lori and Louis, uh, if you can turn your cameras and mics on, and I will see if I can help you do that. Uh, let's see here. Again, always got technical difficulties when it comes to these things. Okay, um, there's Lewis, Lewis Tenenbaum and uh, Lori Pross. Lori, say something. We can't see you, but we can hear you. Okay, hi, everybody. Um, okay, I'm great. Delighted to be here. Uh, okay, excellent. Okay, can you hear me? Good. Yep, we can hear you. So um, first off, let me sort of explain the role that Lori and Lewis are playing here is both are on the board of directors of an aging in place village in Kensington, Maryland called the Villages of Kensington. And um, now Lori is our subject for the day because we're gonna be looking at Lori's home. She's a member of the village and we're gonna be sort of looking and commenting on various aspects of her home. You're gonna to get to see her home firsthand. And Lewis is one of the pioneers in this field of aging in place and he has uh, currently is leading a coalition called the Homes Renewed Coalition. So um, first off, Lori, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the villages of Kensington? And then Lewis, let's learn a little bit about Homes Renewed. And then we will jump in with our panel and meet our panel. And then we're going to start looking at Lori's home and seeing what things could be done there. So uh, Lori, uh, tell us a little bit about the villages of Kensington. Villages of Kensington uh, is a relatively small village uh, in Montgomery County. And we've been in operation since about 2015. And we're, I would say, as I said, small, but beginning to gain steam. And we've been working with Steve to increase our marketing so that we can sort of try to incorporate uh, some more services. And one of the things that we're um, doing or trying to do is to sort of encourage people to uh, modify their homes if they do indeed want to age in places that we feel is uh, really key. So that's one of the things that we're doing is, is this home modification or home retrofit presentation. So that's it. my contribution. Yeah. 
And if this works, guys, what our goal is, is to jump around to other villages and replicate this in one way, shape or form. Get to meet a village member, see their home and sort of use it as a platform for discussion on things that we can do to um, remodel. So now Lewis, again, another Villages of Kensington board member, but uh, you've got the, uh, the Homes Renewed uh, Coalition. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what Homes Renewed is doing. Sure, thanks very much, Steve. Um, we've known each other almost 30 years, I think now, um, at this space. Um, I started as a carpenter wanting to build my own solar house and eventually uh, through um, a project in 1988, uh, saw the power of what I could do with my hammer and my saw for families and individuals in terms of their own dignity and self-esteem and independence in their homes. Um, got involved with the um, aging network in uh, Montgomery County and DC, uh, Northwest DC, and uh, concentrated my remodeling business on that area for uh, 20 years. Um, and I realized that there's a persistent question. Everybody says this is a really good idea, but people just don't do it. People don't step up to the plate and do it. Um, over $100 billion is spent by people over 55 remodeling their homes, but they're not doing the right things to actually allow them to age in place. So how can we move that ball forward? And um, the mission at Homes Renewed Coalition is to significantly increase the number of American homes prepared <coughs> for residents to live throughout the modern lifespan by promoting consumer incentives on Wall Street, Main Street, and Capitol Hill. Incentives like those for solar collectors or hybrid cars. Um, it really pushes people and opens the market. And our premise is that it's fundamentally unjust that the medical miracles of longer lives are not <laughs> accompanied by safe homes where older citizens can choose to live with dignity and affordably throughout their lives. The fact is our homes were built before people lived as long as they do. And like other infrastructure, whether it's an electric car, uh, charging station or an easy pass toll lane or high speed internet, our homes need to be updated. Um, business will get there, but we're all better off as a country, as an economy and individuals if we can accelerate this movement. So the strength of the coalition, and I encourage you to go to the Homes Renewed Coalition website, and I'll put up the link into the chat. Um, I encourage you to go to the Homes Renewed Coalition website and to join us. There's uh, membership levels at all levels. We are having, I just got off a phone call with a Republican Hill staffer. They are all over this because it promotes business, it promotes jobs, and it promotes independence um, and Democratic uh, staffers as well. Um, I'm a little surprised at how interested the Republicans are myself, but it's about independence. It's about the American way. But the idea with the coalition is to leverage the broad cross-sector appeal of aging in place and the business of aging in place and the market for aging in place um, to, so that we need support financially. But it also, that broad appeal demonstrates our voice on Capitol Hill and creates a path to grow an aging in place industry so everyone can live in the home they choose for as long as they want to safely and affordably. Great. Well, this is exciting, uh, Lewis, and, uh, uh, and we're real psyched to, um, to see where this initiative goes and we hope everybody can, can support it. So let's, uh, at this time, 
let's bring on our panel who um, is, let me just share my screen real quick so you can see everybody's name. But if so, if our panel members can now share their screen and uh, I'm just gonna, we've met Lori Pross, she's our homeowner in, in Kensington. We've met Louis Tenenbaum, Homes Renewed. We're gonna meet Greg Sieb of Live in Space, Ali Sultani with HandyPro, Stephen Haig with Strategies of, for Independent Living, and Greg Olveria with uh, Get a Grip Construction Services. So I think we've got everybody on the screen now, I believe. Um, no, not me. Except for Lori. Lori, right. you got to figure out how to turn that camera on, okay? Okay, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, find find. I've prompted you to turn your camera on, but yes, um, I know, I know. We can hear you, but that so that so you can still participate. Okay, let's get first to get to know our our expert panel members. And on my my screen first here, I've got uh, Greg Sieb with uh, Live in Place. So uh, Greg, you want to tell us? There you go, Lori. You want to tell us a little bit about uh, about yourself? Oh, and you got to unmute too. Sorry. Thank you, Stephen. Hello to everyone. So, um, at uh, at Live in Place, what since two thousand seven, what we do is medically based assess assessments of a person's ability, and then fold that into the actual existing features of the home, and that allows us to address uh, three levels: short term, mid term, and long term. Short term, we assist people to return home safely from hospital and rehab. Midterm, it's about making the home safe with a higher level of independence. And then long-term designs when that have the potential should people choose to successfully uh, desire to remain age in place, you know, long-term. So that's essentially what we do. Great. Um, thanks, Greg. Okay, and then next on my list, I've got Ali Saltani with HandyPro. Ali, tell us a little bit about yourself and HandyPro. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for having us, Steve. Uh, it's a very exciting group. Uh, my name is Ali Saltani. I'm with HandyPro. We've been uh, doing uh, home modifications for people with limited mobility since 2013, and uh, we are certified and licensed to do that. Um, uh, what do we do? We do anything from installing a simple grab bar in bathrooms and uh, all the way to install any kind of elevators or, or lift. We do all kind of ramps, bathroom remodeling. And uh, uh, I myself been in the construction world for over 20 years. I'm a civil engineer and um, also, as I mentioned, been specifically uh, focusing on aging in place and home modifications since 2013. And uh, we've been helping a lot of people to, to stay in their home. And uh, in these days, it's much uh, easier and cheaper to stay home instead of you know, going to any facilities. Great, excellent. And uh, next on my screen, I've got Greg Oliveria with Get a Grip. And Greg, it looks like you're in your Universal Design showroom there. Yeah, yes, I am. I came to the office for this one. Um, I'm very happy to be here. Um, and... I started in the business when I was 18, delivering wheelchairs, walkers, hospital beds for a medical company in Maryland. Uh, in 2006, I decided that people needed more than a wheelchair to manage living in their home. 
And that's when I started my company. Um, basically, what I like to do is go into a home, talk to the customer, find out what their needs are, and then either adapt the home for them or remodel the home for them. The most important thing about that is there's a price point for everybody. Some people can afford more than others. So if you go in and say, look, I can put a toilet riser on your toilet and it will cost you this much, or I can replace the toilet with a comfort height toilet, usually they're gonna choose one of the two, but at least you're gonna get them to do something to make their home safe. So that's basically what I go into the home and I try to do. Uh, that's it. Great, thanks, Greg. And uh, yeah, and that's really one of the, the the things that we're trying to do with this discussion is with these panel of experts that we've got, you're gonna to get to hear different perspectives and different solutions to the same challenge. Um, and our, our last but not least expert on the panel is another person that I've known for uh, at least 30 years, and that's Stephen Haig with Strategies for Independent Living. Uh, Stephen, tell us a little bit about yourself and your organization. Yeah, thanks, Steve. And uh, hi, everybody. Um, yeah, uh, I'm really excited about this. I'm, this is in a near and dear to my heart, this whole subject. And, you know, what I what you find out and what we're talking about here, uh, it's really about the people um, and um, and not about the um, it's not about grab bars and ramps and stuff. It's about like us having a, a community and and um, you know and what I uh, what I'd like for people to think about in this whole discussion today and moving forward is that you know um, all people are different, all family dynamics, all homes are different, and like Greg says, you, you people have different reasons for wanting this or that or doing something else. And some of these things that we're going to suggest today and and other in, in future conversations is about well, you know, why would I do this? And, you know, and why would I do that? What's the difference? And there's, there's a lot of different things. And a lot of this is really customized, if you will, to different folks. But it goes beyond even the home too, because really, uh, you know, what the villages is about is, is the village movement is about community. And, and it's good for us to modify our homes, but it's also, but it goes beyond that. So when we can get out of our homes and into our community and have support from our community, then we have a, a, a more a viable life and a, and a, and a good life to, to uh, share with other folks. And um, so it's, a, you know, it's good to have an accessible home and, that's, and it's beneficial and healthy for us, but it's also good to have a healthy community at large. And so that's good. Um, I love it. That's, that's, that's what I have on my mind, but just a little my background is uh, in construction. I've been in construction my whole career and about 50 years going on pretty soon and, um, and 30 years at this, um, at this on this topic sort of focusing on this and um, you know and Lewis and I were, were banging the drum and ringing the bell like what about it let's get this let's get ourselves together you know you make plans for your finances how about making plans for your own safety so uh, so let's get going love it all right well let's let's jump into this topic so Lori uh, we're gonna take a peek at at your house and uh, one of one of the things that I wanted to do, and I dropped this into chat with this discussion, is I wanted to sort of use as a starting point these ARP home fit guides because these are free to everybody. If you go on the ARP website and you just type in home fit, you'll see a vast amount of resources, and they're very well done. Okay, they they're they're free. They'll 
trigger some ideas and thoughts and they'll at least get you started down this journey. And then you might outreach to one of our panel members as, as, as that discussion moves along. But um, so as we sort of looked at the ARP um, home fit checklist, you will notice that top of the, the list on everybody there is um, entryways, okay? And so what we thought we would do is look at the entryway to get into Lori's home, okay, as a starting point, okay? And uh, I had the good fortune to uh, go visit Lori's home and I shot a little video here that I'm gonna play and then we'll show you some pictures that Ollie took and then we'll hear from our panel on some different approaches and suggestions that Lori could use um, uh, for her entryway. So let's see how this video uh, turned out here. All right, and then, so that's, that's a glimpse at her entryway, and then here are some photos that you can see, the, the way that you get into Lori's house from the street. Um, this is at her driveway, and inside the garage, there is a less barrier entryway with this garage door. So um, let me stop sharing my screen and let's, um, let's hear from our, our panel on Lori's entryways and entryways in general. And uh, I'm gonna start with Ali, since Ali, you went out to Lori's house to shoot those photos. If you wanna make some comments on, um, on the, uh, the entryways to uh, Lori's house. Oh, and you've got more photos. This is awesome. So, um, okay, Ali, take it away. Make sure you unmute. Oh, you need to unmute. You, you see the screen? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm not Back hearing. The first one. You can hear me? Yeah. Now I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. So um, the, the, the front entrance, it's not a good option to, to make it accessible because it's very steep. And as you see on the right side, you have a little lip uh, at the bottom as well. So it, you can't go to the street. If we want to do a ramp in the front, so it's going to be a very lengthy ramp and we have to zigzag in front of the home, something similar to this. For audience information, for every one inch height, we need one foot of the ramp. Uh, at, at this house, we're probably looking about 60 to 70 inch height. And with the, all the turning points and uh, all the platforms that we need, we probably need about 80 to 90 feet of uh, space to install the ramp, which it's not feasible and it's not looking good and um, we're not suggesting it. But as you, the other option is if we wanna use any kind of outdoor stair lift on the, if, if someone has any stairs in the front of their home, something similar to these pictures that is here. Uh, but for the option in the, in the garage, then we do have a very small step, which we can use a threshold ramp, which you see on the right side. Uh, that will 
get you into the house, but inside the house, there are more barriers that we can talk uh, in, 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 a, in a later when we talk about the stairs. But I think it's the best way to get into the house. We're not getting into the living space when we get to the house through the garage. So we have to take other steps to get uh, to the living level of the house, which the kitchen and the living room and bathrooms uh, and uh, bedrooms are then we have to take approach. But as I mentioned, if you wanna uh, get through the main door, uh, either we have to do go through a very lengthy ramp or we have to install some kind of after stair lift. Hey, these, are uh, some, these are a little exaggeration at our, yeah. at the pictures that I put, but it could get to that because the other neighbors has much higher elevation. Okay. Hey, Lori, what do you think of that in your front yard? Does that sound like a good option? Oh, absolutely. I think the neighbors would just love it. <laughs> but particularly with the with the uh yeah, the wire that that would just really go over nicely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, this is great, Ali. And and uh let's <gasps> let's uh jump to um our next panelist and um uh let's see. I want to unshare my screen yet. Thank there, you. There I unshared it for you. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So Let's uh, let's talk to our next panelist. Let's let's go with uh, Greg Sieb up in the upper right hand corner. Um, and our panel members could honestly they could talk for hours on every one of these topics. Uh, we're all trying to keep our comments at two minutes or less, myself included, which is difficult, um, so that we can kind of get to your questions and we can uh, jump into an open discussion here. So uh, Greg, um, any thoughts on um, Lori's entryways? Yeah, Steve, would you put up my uh, entrance pictures? Okay, yeah, Greg well, had I some- I wanted to take this quick two minute approach to speaking about the mobility since everyone's home is different and then we can address Lori. So and the, the grip you see in the bottom lower middle section there, that really involves uh, good body mechanics. So if you don't have the sidewalk issues, but you have issues with the step heights, something as simple as that, you know, might be of assistance without being too complicated. Uh, beyond that, if you're returning home from a hospital or rehab short term, um, in some locations like the garage, the portable ramp on the right would be a good answer. In this instance, with Lori's front entrance, the garage, as Ali said, is really uh, the only reasonable entrance. And there's a couple options there. The lower step rebuild there with perhaps four inch steps and railings, or if in the case of having neurological um, progressive illnesses involved uh, with one of the family members, something in the modular category uh, is a good answer, allowing them to walk now and be wheeled later as needed, but keeping their level of independence. And then finally, the front entrance, if you're aging in place and are serious and have the financial abilities, then a universal sidewalk, much like the one pictured on the top left, uh, might be uh, a good option there. Back to you, Steve. Oh, great. Thank you, Greg. Uh, these are some, some great ideas. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Next on, oh, Lori, homeowner has a question here. Okay. Yeah. Just just that very last the, the picture of the um, the universal design one with the with the uh, curve to it. How how much of that one could be applied actually to a house such as mine, which is you know where the where the 
walkway is actually quite long and the slope is actually very, um, what am I trying to say, is gradual, but difficult because the, um, the, the flagstones that are being used now are very uneven and very difficult for most people with any kind of, dis, you know, any kind of mobility issues to negotiate, as you can see here with the picture. So what I'm asking, I guess, is would it be doable to have such a thing all the way down? And have you ever seen it done so that it's, it's not aesthetically unpleasing? Yeah, really good question from our homeowner is, and, um, and you know, this is also a good opportunity. Let's, I, I'd love all the panelists to comment on this, but let's jump to the next on, on my screen here is Greg Oliveria. Uh, what are your thoughts on sort of the, the, the uh, Lori's front yard and the potential to do sort of a sidewalk with uh, railing uh, towards her front steps? Well, you just said one of the things I was going to suggest, but what you really need to do is not look at the house, but look at the person's mobility and look at how long-term it's gonna be. Then you look at the aesthetics because that plays a big part of what they're gonna to wanna to do. So what I would first recommend if they're walking or walking with a cane for the time being is butt all the stones together and make them straight so that you can't trip and then put an iron railing along the side on one side for them to hold. That would be aesthetically pleasing to them and their neighbors. The next step is if you were in a wheelchair and you wanted to use the front, you would pour it in a concrete from the curb level with the porch entrance. So there would be only one step into the house where you could put a small threshold ramp. So that would be what I would do for the front of the house and once again, that's a price point. One is gonna be more than the other, okay? If you do the concrete and you put a railing on the side, obviously there's more labor, there's more material. If you do the stone, you might add two pieces of stone, straighten them out and put an iron railing on the side. What you would have to tell them is the stones might move with settling uh, and it could be a tripping hazard down the road. If they were in a wheelchair, I would recommend, like everybody else, go through the garage. And then in the garage, you would either put a ramp for them to go up, but you have to look at the stairs inside also and see how they're gonna get up their stairs, which is probably gonna be a stair lift if they can transfer. So all these things are taken into consideration when you talk to a customer. So, and then you need to make, let them make the choice. It's very important that they're a big part in making this decision. So usually that would be what I do in the front. And if they're asking about the front, I start with the front. And then I would recommend the side and I would tell them do the front when your mobility gets to the point where you're walking to the, all that distance is too hard. Then we go to the garage and we start with the garage. Um, great. And that's what I would really do. Great, great, great comments, Greg. And, uh, and Steve, Haig. Uh, any any thoughts on uh, or suggestions on ideas for Lori and entryways? And then we're going to move the next part of Lori's house we're going to move into is, is the stairway. And you're going to sort of see how you get to the stairs from the garage. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, um, I agree with uh, 
with Greg. All, everybody, I think, has the, the right idea, of course. And, um, and I, again, I want to remind people that, you know, you, these are good ideas. And then you have to decide, like, what is going to be the idea for you for now. And some of the, some of the times, you know, we have discussions with our clients and we, we you know, and, and they're, maybe they're just aging in place. There's no particular disability at this time, but maybe they're, you know, and so they're just planning ahead. Uh, there's also, a, like I say about the community, you want their neighbors to be able to visit or, or family members to come and visit and they might have particular um, limitations with respect to getting around. And so, so you want to try to weigh all that, but given, but saying that, I would agree with uh, Greg Greg Oliveria that it's, you know you um, just to you want to look at the expedient maybe first and say well we can straighten out this walkway as is if, if you know if on a, from a budgetary point of view it's kind of relatively easier as he says to to butt up all those take reset all those stones into a straight line and. And you'd, you'd have, you know, you'd want to put a good base underneath it, make it all straight. And like he said, you don't want it to settle and be tripping factor and all that mm -hmm. and put a railing there. And um, you could even consider, um, you know, cutting out that curve at the bottom if you wanted to. And that would be, you know, that would, that would get you an ambulatory person, you know, would get along there pretty well. And folks like, you know, uh, older folks can, you know, who that are maybe a little bit of balance or, uh, we're using a walker or something. They could easily walk up there. It's a little steep, but not terribly so. And so you could do that. If you wanted a more uniform walkway, you'd put in concrete, as he says. But that's getting ahead. You know, that's going uh, maybe farther down the road. Knowing well, that you can do... Um, huh? uh, one of Lori's friends and a fellow village member, uh, Tam, Tammy Rickman, would uh, love it if uh, she could come and visit Lori with a more accessible entryway. Um, we got a, a question comment from uh, Chuck Thornton, and he says, it is a single garage. It would be important to note if the disabled person is a driver or a passenger. And, um, we, and here's, here's the entryway from the garage. But if you can see her garage here, it's a very narrow single person entryway. So I'm assuming that there would also need to be some extension to the driveway for somebody to get out of the car to get into the garage to, en to enter um, in, in some way. Um, thought, thoughts on the panel? And also, Lewis, uh, I don't know if you want to jump in too. I know that this is an area of expertise for you as well. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that over you, you know, you might lose the use of that garage and a person exiting a car um, who's really using a mobility device, a one car garage is a very tough spot. So that's an important consideration. In one case, we added a little roof outside the garage to kind of extend it so that there'd be room to unload um, outside. Uh, we put a little uh, awning roof over that area and cleared a path there into the house next to the single garage door. So that, that's one strategy. I think this has been really well discussed by some really expert dudes. Um, so I think we should move on. Oh, I like it. I like it. So let's move on to the stairways. Okay. And so this is a video of the stairways inside Lori's home. Okay. So here we go. Let's see how this goes. You can see here going down these stairs, we do have railings on both sides, which makes it a little bit more uh, going 
don't have railings on their side. But as we move some to the main level, we only have railings on one side. Okay, so that is it. So as you can see whoops. here, that, that is a brief um, video of the visuals of some of these, these stairways. And then again, Ollie went out and shot some photos and you can see some of the different angles of the stairways and the doors. And the picture to the right is the one that goes down to the, um, uh, the um, garage entryway. And uh, here's some more uh, stairway shots. So, um, Lori, would you? And, and you know, I want to jump back to uh, a comment that that Chuck made. We were in Chuck's comment. He said, you know, the person with the disability entering the home through the garage. Lori, currently, you and your husband do not have um, any mobility issues. Am I correct with that? That's correct. I mean, you know, we're getting a little creaky, but we're not, we don't have any disabilities per se. Yeah. And, and, and one of the things, and, and as the, the, the panelists comment is, is that one of the things is a lot of times people don't think about these, uh, these improvements until they have mobility issues. And one of our, that's one of the reasons we like using Lori is to sort of say, here's a person that lives in this home, she's active and independent, but we could really make some improvements to make this more of a home for a lifetime. So um, let's see, I'm gonna reverse order this time and let's start with Steve Haig. Um, Steve Haig, would you like to make some comments on uh, stairways and in, in, in general and, and Lori's stairway situation? <laughs> okay, well, stairs is usually the, the crux and the, the problem, the hard nut to crack with all these. And when you're talking about accessibility and, um, and so if you can solve the steps, often you can solve the house, at least in the short term. And, you know, stairless are a good, a good way. They're relatively cheap e equipment that can be put on the steps and you can circumnavigate those steps. Um, you know, so they're a good, a good way to, uh, as a strategy to, um, you know, to get, up and down those levels. Uh, in general, there, um, you know, there are um, on the, the picture on the left is a straight staircase. On the right, there's a, a pie, what we call a pie pie shape steps where they've got the triangles going around the bend. Um, and um, you know, and depending on the budget, um, uh, the, the uh, going if you wanted a stairlift to go around the bend there, all the way around without stopping, you would you would put in what's called a custom stairlift and that can be kind of pricey. A straight stairlift would be okay on, the, on the, all the straight steps. We've put straight stairlifts stair on pie-shaped steps and it's a little funny, but it's, you know, it can be done. Most of us live, these, these folks on the panel, uh, you know, we live in the world of sort of the gray area of life where you, you try to do the best you can with what you got. You start with an ideal and you work backwards from there sometimes. But, but, um, but yeah, so strategically, um, trying to get in through the garage and coming up the steps, you'd use a stairlift. There is such a thing as elevators, you know, and you could forego the steps and find a place uh, above the garage to go through the garage ceiling with an elevator. And after you consider the cost for the stairlifts, you might even consider that. Um, the, um, 
I notice on this stair lift, Lori, I mean, on this stair here, um, you've got a door at the top of those steps. And obviously if a stair lift was installed, that door would need to be removed. Out of curiosity, do you ever shut that door or is it just for ornamental purposes? Um, no, I close it all the time. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's like a major uh, divider between the upstairs of the house uh, where you know things go on and then where we're downstairs, we're downstairs and that door stays closed. Great, so, okay. Yeah, it's used. Okay. Let's get to, uh, I'm, I'm going to reverse order. So I'm going to go to Greg Oliverio uh, and Greg, uh, you want to share some thoughts on Lori's stair situation? Well, since Lori is aging in place and isn't using any kind of a device, what I would do and what I try to do with my customers is when you age them in place is gradually do this. Don't overwhelm them with more than they need at the time. I would tell her we put railings on both sides of the stair staircases so that you can have stability. The door at the top that swings open, if I can't convince you to remove it so I can add railing behind it, what I would do is on the opposite side, put a vertical bar. So as you turn the corner on the pies, because pies are narrow steps, you have something to hold on to until you can reach around with your other hand to grab the railing. Now, um, that's the simplest, easiest thing to do and makes the home still look like a standard home, not like you have a stair lift in it. If, once again, if you needed a stair lift, you, would put a, you could do a straight stair lift to the top of the pie, you would remove the door and you put railing on that wall so that when you got off the lift, you had something to hold on to on the left-hand side to walk up or a curve on the other side but once again, if you put a curve in, the door has to be removed. It can't stay there. So you're looking at getting rid of the door. Either way, you do a stair lift. Curved stair lifts can run between 10 to 15,000. I can put a straight lift in for you for $2,800 and a piece of railing in for a few hundred dollars, which is significantly less money. And if you notice, you have more than one set of steps. So it's a price point for people. Some people can afford the curve, some cannot. So you have to give them options or they won't. If they can only choose a curve and they can't afford it, then what do we do? You know, this is a problem with a lot of people's homes and how much they can pay for. You have to come up with creative ideas for them and give them different options. So that's the one thing that I would definitely recommend to you. Excellent. Um, all right, uh, Ali, you're next up on deck. Um, the, uh, whoops, uh, and make sure to unmute. Okay, so um, as everybody says, yeah, there are different uh, approaches that we can take uh, to, uh, to great points. Yeah, the, the first thing that you should do, it's putting a railings if you don't have any mobility issues and just you are getting old and you, it's hard for you to take the steps. So both sides railing would be a great idea. And also we can put some strips on, on the carpet or on the flooring you know, non-slip strips. So you don't slip when you come down or you're going up. But if someone has a really disability and they cannot take those steps, then the stair lift comes in place. As everybody mentioned that there are two different types of stair lifts. Straight can go all, all the way to the pie and then they have to take one or two last steps at the top uh, by holding on something as a grab bar or vertical bar or, uh, or railings. But if you wanna go, go ahead and do uh, the um, um, stair lift, there are ways that we can um, we can do. 
horse bearlings. Um, so uh, this is the, when you get into the house, this is on the right side, this is the stairs that you have in front of you when you get from the garage. On the right side, which there's a baby gate there, it goes into the laundry room areas. And then you go up to the living area for the first step. So you can run a curved stair lift all the way from your laundry, the way that I draw the line, sorry for the sloppy line and then have different stops everywhere. So these yellow marks are the different stops. So you can have a stops from the laundry room in the basement. And then when you go up, um, then um, you will have another stop on the top and the living area. And then this can continue all the way to their bedroom because it's all on the same loop that you can go. Uh, if you look at this video, uh, it's a very good example of looping around uh, railings. Uh, this, this job was done last year in Bethesda. It was a townhome that they have two story high. And uh, this one goes from the basement um, to the first floor. As you see, it's multiple wrapping around. As Greg says, that there's a price point to it. So if someone really cannot do um, taking steps by foot, so then they have to do either this. And if they cannot even take one or two steps at the top, then there's no other way than putting a uh, curved stair lift. And as you see, this is the other manufacturer that they have different kind of railings that we use uh, for care of stair lifts. But custom care of stair lifts can be done uh, to your stairs. Uh, and you know, if you don't have that budget, then we have to work with maybe more, you know, one or two stair, uh, straight stair lifts that uh, sometimes we divide stairs. If it's like a two flight of stairs, we install one straight one on each and they have to transfer from the mid, uh, mid landing. Uh, but these are all about that if they can uh, take those steps with foot or not. But uh, if you want to do a gradual uh, prescription for this stair, so yes, start with the non-slip like these, as you see, these are the strips on these steps. There are non-slip strips that we put on before we installing the stair lift. And then putting the railings on both sides. And then third option is straight stair lift. And the final option and the best option would be a curved stair lift. But these are has all different, excuse me, price points to it. Great, great. And um, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the slip proofing, um, uh, uh, Ali, because um, Elliot Grainer says, what about slip proofing flooring in priority order? Kitchen, toilet, stairs, living, and bedrooms. But um, so I'll get your comments on those, but I want uh, to give uh, our other Greg, Greg Sieb, the opportunity to share his perspectives on the stairways and then we'll be moving to some bathrooms, I believe. Thank you, Steve. So uh, our panel addressed option B stairlifts very well. So I won't even go there. Um, if you're in your home and you have a single, single building, uh, single railing from the builder, it is too short, <laughs> which causes you to have to lean in order to get it from the top and it runs out at the bottom, which is where many falls actually occur. So uh, a second railing does two things. One is you extend it longer, like is pictured on the left, which allows a person to grasp it as they approach the stairway before they're leaning over the stairway, uh, looking at their future down the stairs. So the other thing a second railing does, and I encourage everyone to get them because I already have placed them in my own home is that when we have a single railing we find ourselves putting two hands on one railing we're starting to decom compress the diaphragm we're starting to pull ourselves up the stairway a second railing on both sides will 
keep us in a better straight posture. Our breathing's gonna be better and we're gonna have more oxygen when we reach the top. So any, anyone who's had home care therapy knows why they, uh, they're constantly taking oxygen <laughs> tests when they come in. So that's it for me. I love it. All right. Wow. Uh, Lewis, yeah. Um, yeah, just, just quickly, um, I appreciate the conversation and, and the idea of, of starting in one place and going to another, but I think we should also consider kind of the end game. What would you do just in the in, in remodeling your home from the beginning now thinking about it? And, and the thing I would say is, and Steve uh, mentioned it a little bit, you, you could probably find a spot within the basement area that would straddle the line of all these stairs. It would mean some remodeling, but you could put in a four or five stop elevator that went from the basement in and out one side and the other all the way up or a lift in a shaft. And that could really work for the long term. The way you maybe get into the house then is like I said, that awning and you'd carve out a little area next to the driveway and create an areaway and a door through that window that's next to the garage to get into the basement area and be able to move to this elevator spot. So there's also the idea that you could go kind of take the big big road price-wise, go all the way and almost guarantee the ability to stay there throughout your life. Right, and if I can, just a, just a thing about to tag on to that is that when we're having this discussion about aging in place, you know, these are ideas that you can flesh out and now's the time to talk about it. You don't do it right now, but you know it can be done. What's the feasibility? How much would it cost? That sort of thing. Yeah. And um, before we go to bathrooms, let's, um, Elliot has a good question. Are there devices that allow you to pull objects up and down stairs, either machine operated or crank operated, with or without a platform to hold the object? A device that does not obstruct the stairs too much. It sounds almost like a dumbwaiter style product. Uh, anybody have something like that that's available in, in this space? I think the idea is you install a dumbwaiter. <laughs> You've got oh, okay. it. Okay. <laughs> since my kids have grown up, you know, and moved. <laughs> the, um, I, do, I, I did visit a woman's home who had stair glides that she wasn't using anymore because she uh, recuperated and now she she keep kept them in there and uses them to move her laundry up and down the um, the stairs. Or um, just, just throw your coat when you come in the door. That's another good use for one. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. Debbie Luddington says, do your panelists build or remodel in Frederick County? Debbie and everybody in attendance. I'll be following up with contact information with everybody on the panel. And so I recommend, you know, reaching out to our panel members and they can, uh, if, if they don't know somebody that can do it, they'll refer you. Um, Heidi Garvis says, uh, what about an elevator? And I think Lewis and Steve Haig have both addressed that. And um, let's see, um, okay. Okay, now we're getting close to the top of the hour, but I wanna, I wanna move to, bathrooms and our panel has agreed to stay on a, uh, a bit longer than our normal because we know that this is a topic that we can't discuss in an hour. So I wanna get, I'm gonna share a video of one of the bathrooms in Lori's home that's in the, um, in the basement. And then we've got a couple of photos as well. So this is her basement shower. This is just a bathroom on the garage floor. 
So, um, so now, um, and, and then these are some photos of, uh, of a bathroom that we didn't videotape that Ali took. But, um, you know, I, I want Lori um, and, and for everybody on the discussion, that bathroom is actually right next to the garage. So if you came into the garage, she has a nice guest bedroom that's on that garage level floor and that bathroom. So for the panel, before we kind of jump in to talking about bathrooms, um, do you find that sometimes your clients uh, move their master bedroom to a different location of the house because it's more accessible? Is that a common practice? And I imagine there's some emotion involved in making a move like that. Steve, um, yeah. just quickly, there, there's really only three solutions if there are stairs in your home. One is what you just said, kind of repurpose uh, uh, a room on the floor where you can get access. And we all know that from, you know, people living, kind of moving onto the porch or having a commode and uh, bed and so forth in the living room. Then there is adding space if your home, your neighborhood, your budget can afford it on that accessible level. And the third is what we've just been speaking about, which is some way to change levels and doing the associated with remodeling with that level. But you're exactly right. That kind of repurposing of a space or shifting um, is, is really an important strategy that a lot of people adapt. And it's a legitimate one if it accommodates your lifestyle. Great. And um, let's see, next on our list, we're going in reverse order and Greg has some photos that I can share here. Um, Greg Sieb, um, you wanna share some perspectives on Lori's bathroom and bathrooms in general? Sure, Steve. So a couple of quick notes to start it off. Uh, certainly grab bars should be in every home if we're on this panel. Uh, anyone who's tuning in and um, there are times where um, you know a full roll-in is needed like on the left there you know based on uh, neurological things which we do a great deal to way too many of with folks and then some of the other pictures I forget Steve you can you flip it yeah there, some of that is uh, just quick term coming home as we mentioned from hospital or rehab uh, how do we uh, how do we survive and accommodate someone's needs to get back into their home without the time or the expense of immediate remodeling. And then the last one on the right is just an example of someone with limited mobility, but still getting around, needing to park a walker or a rollator at the outside of the door and enter in and um, you know have grab bars and be able to use the facilities mm -hmm. that way. So uh, keep it simple, uh, back to you. Great. Okay, um, next on my screen is Ali. Uh, Ali, um, you wanna share some perspective on Lori's bathroom sure. situation? Yeah, to, to Greg's point, uh, to Stephen's point, uh, yeah, grab bars needs to be, I think, in everybody's home, no matter what age you have. It's, it's really, it's a, it's a very simple and easy um, equipment to have in a bathroom and it doesn't have to be ugly and you know, shouting that that's I'm, I'm a grab bar I'm, and uh, uh, it's not look commercial looking. There are 
much nicer uh, looking grab bars are out there any color you want any different shapes that you know kind of camouflage you want to have a you know uh, toilet paper holder which is a grab bar rated and etc so those are the very good short uh, short term uh, solution for people that they don't have too much disability problem if they're coming from the hospital if they have a short term disability and it's going to go away if they had a uh, you know surgery uh, but uh, there are other options that we we recommend to to do that, and um, is um, let me see, um, and uh, you can convert your bathrooms to um, different things. So, for example, if on the left side we have an elevated top that we install for a gentleman that he cut he he lost both of his legs in a war. And uh, he could just slide himself into the elevator top, that door going left and right sliding. On the right side picture, it's a, a barrier-free shower with a track system on the top, which it's a ceiling lift that the person can independently move himself with the independence lifter and lower himself on the toilet or into the shower bench, which is not in the picture. They, they will put it on after. We just That's a job that we finished and we took a picture. Uh, or simple removing the top and make the shower barrier free. This was an apartment. We couldn't uh, lower the level. So we had to do a little ramp. I don't know if you can see it in the picture or not. We did it a little ramp goes into the shower and putting some grab bars. But uh, to, to summarize, grab bars and DME products such as you know transfer bench, and, which Stephen uh, brought up, and uh, uh, other stuff, uh, those are the uh, short-term uh, solutions. But for the long-term solutions, barrier-free showers, walking tops, uh, you know, rearranging the bathroom depends on the size of the bathroom and the budget uh, can be done. Back to you. Great. Um, excellent. Um, okay, uh, Greg, Greg O. I got Greg S. and Greg O. I'll go to Greg O. with uh, Get a Grip. Uh, Greg, you got some comments on bathrooms. Well, yes, but the first thing I wanted to comment on is, is, is people and human nature is they live in a home for 30 years. They like their bathroom. Their wife likes their bathroom. And it's difficult sometimes to get them to change. So as far as bathrooms go, you're better to focus on the bathroom that they use the most rather than trying to move them to another part of the house. Because then they're not in their bedroom anymore and they're not using their bathroom anymore. As far as bathrooms go, one of the most important things are, yes, grab bars. Um, I also feel that toilet height is important that replacing towel racks with grab bars that will support their weight. Taking the door and swinging it the other direction because most doors swing in in a bathroom, which can be a problem if someone falls against it and they're in the bathroom by themselves and can't get up. Now you have to try to push the door in or break the door down to pick them up. So by making it a pocket door, swinging it the other direction, or just taking it off in general and putting a curtain there, so that they can get in and out is a very simple way and a very quick way of, of making it easy for them to come in and out. Regarding uh, a tub, you have a transfer bench you could use if they can't step over the side, you can cut the side of a tub out and make it like a shower that you step in and out. That modification is $1,500 and I do it in four hours, okay? Having a chair to sit in is important and a handheld down by their side so that if they were washing their hair and closing their eyes, they don't lose their balance because they're sitting, okay? Um, and that's somebody who is aging in place. If you can't bring your walker in because it's too wide, that's where the, you know, if, the, if there's no door, maybe you can get it in. 
If not, you have to have products that when they walk through the bathroom, they have things to hang on to. Lighting is important too, because in the evening they walk in, they don't want to turn their lights on half the time they trip. Uh, any kind of a carpet should either have a rubber back on it so that it doesn't slip when they're stepping out of it, uh, the tub um, or just remove altogether. If you're gonna remodel the bathroom completely, yes, roll-ins are very good. They're also, the modification is, you gotta do a lot more to it. You can take a tub out though and put a shower pan with a liner and you can do that, it's a lot less expensive than modifying the entire bathroom. Um, uh, you know, there's so many things that you could talk about to help people and the price points for like, let's say a track system and a complete remodel is $50,000. To cut the side of a tub and widen the door and put a taller toilet in and some grab bars on the walls and inside the shower, you're looking at 2000 to $3,000. So. It's always a very important thing when you talk to a person is, is you know, if you approach them with a $50,000 job, they're gonna say, oh no, I can't do that. You have to give them different options. So they'll choose one of the two just to be safe in their home. Great. So that's what I focus on, okay? Great, good, great. And um, Steve Haig, you're next on the list. And, and actually a, uh, a question from somebody, uh, Steve, you might wanna com comment on it. The um, there's a, a concept called comfort toilets, correct? Is that a, a category of toilets? Uh, there is a, what is generally understood to be what's called a, a comfort height toilet. That's, that's kind of comes out of the industry, that term. There's other, other terms for it. And what it is, is, is just a little bit taller. It's, um, in fact, the um, uh, plumbing industry sort of standardized it. And so did the, um, the Transportation and Barriers Board. Uh, they've made it now uh, ADA compliant, which is, and the, uh, the comfort height toilet is about two inches taller than a standard toilet or the usual, the older, lower standard toilet. Um, it's about 16 inches, say seven, with the seat, it's about 17 inches tall. Great. Now, and, which is fine. And there are some folks now, I've done work for folks and changed toilets and the people are really small and they don't want a big to tall toilet. You have to really be careful you know, you don't want to just out of hand give somebody a tall toilet. And now they can't reach the floor. You know, that's that's ridiculous. So you have to really be careful. But for anybody over, you know, five foot eight, five foot six and up, you know, you can use a tall, taller toilet and it will get the, the whole thing about toilet seat height comes from uh, sort of being at a level of, the, of a wheelchair. So you can transfer straight across from a wheelchair seat and that's really more like 18 inches or so. And uh, some of my clients, you know, need more like, a, 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 which is sort of like a dining room chair is about 18. Okay. But there are some folks who need a 20, 20 inch seat or a 22 inch seat, you know, things like that. So there's, you know, and so sometimes we'll put a, a riser on the toilet, on a, a comfort height toilet. But, that, but anyway, to answer the question, yes, there's a, a comfort height toilet that's two inches taller than the standard. And it's just a little bit more of a boost. Great. Yeah. Um, um, any any sort of additional thoughts on Lori's bathroom? On, on the on the bathroom, yeah. Um, um, I guess I'm trying to remember. Um, I think uh, planning ahead for you know for aging in place. If you know if you know like uh, folks have said, yeah, you can. And thanks for the pictures, you guys. It's really helpful to have pictures. Um, but the you know re, re, you know 
if if I'm in there talking to somebody, there's some of these folks on the in the audience want to figure out, well, should we should what should I do for my house? You can know that your tub can be removed and and um, uh, converted to a shower at uh, at relatively small cost. That the one the picture on the right has a standard five foot long uh, bathtub in it that could be removed and and you know it, it would affect the tile. It does affect some things, but you can pretty much dig out that. Uh, convert that tub to a shower without changing the rest of the room as a as a general statement the how the bathroom on the left looks like a it doesn't look it, it's sort of distorted a little bit but it looks like it's a four foot wide shower with a little step over that's going to be really good for most folks if we get into a wheelchair situation that'll change things because it always does a wheelchair changes the dialogue uh profoundly of course because you can't get around things like that but yeah, and, and yeah. You know, so that's some comments. It's a good, it, some of the questions, a lot of the questions that we're getting relate to wheelchair accessibility. And in fact, uh, Chuck Thornton says, how about wheelchair accessibility as far as doorways and vanities? And as you look at both of these bathrooms here, the vanities are not um, something that you could roll into or sit down underneath. Um, let's see. We, I, I, I think as we de decided prior to this event is uh, we're going to only have time to get through these three parts of Lori's house. So I'd like to kind of open things up to a, a wider discussion and answer any questions that you all have on universal design, on your house or what have you. And so if you've got questions, type them in the Q&A box. You can raise your hand as well. Marianne Griffin has her hand raised. Um, Lewis, uh, you want to make a comment? And then I've got a question from Brent Lizio. I want to uh, direct to the to the panel. And then um, Marianne Griffith, we're going to call on you. So, uh, Lewis? Yeah, just quickly, Steve. If I don't know if it's hard to go back to that photo, but um, the bathroom that had, uh, first of all, it had a bidet toilet seat, which is one of my favorite products. I love it. I encourage people to get them. They're a hygiene product, a luxury product, and um, uh, both. Um, second of all, if you look at that bathroom momentarily, if, if it were truly curbless instead of a mini curb and the shower door removed, and as you say, the vanity were um, open beneath, then you can all of a sudden see how that bathroom will contain this maneuvering space that would make it easy for a person and or a caregiver to work together in that bathroom using a wheelchair or not. Similarly, in the bathroom on the right, if it were opened up for a curbless shower, as Steve mentioned, you'd get all this space, this kind of bonus space, because the shower floor and the room floor are one floor. And that gives you that maneuvering space, which is so important when caregivers and caregivees are you know in this sort of uh, three-legged race together of maneuvering as one? Great, great comments. Um, let me let me ask the panel. This is a good question from Bren Lizio. Um, can you suggest manufacturers that create the most beautiful grab bars? <laughs> uh, well, Ponte Ponte. Uh, what is that? What is that called? Ponte Grecio? I can't remember now. Um, out of Chicago, they, they've got some pretty good ones. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's a funny question because, you know, uh, it's a matter of your, it's pretty subjective. What is it? What is a grab bar look? Does it look bad or not? They've, they've come a long way since we started. 
Great. There's um, some very ugly ones out there. Yeah. <laughs> I would add, you know, all manufacturers oh. have upscale lines of brush, nickel, brass, etc. cetera. Uh, people should also keep in mind, is this just for a powder room? But I would avoid them uh, at times in the showers themselves because they don't have as good a grip in many instances. There's just some photos of uh, grab bars and colors, grab bars and shapes. They don't need to be your grandmother's grab bar. Yeah, these pictures are better than none. The is sharing at some, as a manufacturer from Italy, that they make any color you want, and that they have a, they wrap their their uh, grab bars with a silicon, so it does not going to get cold and it's not going to be slippery, and you can get almost any color you want, pink, orange, blue, whatever color you want, you can get it, and it's silicon wrap. Because a lot of people complain about the grab bar being cold when they grab it, but these uh, grab bars will not have that uh, that problem. Great. Um, let's see. Um, okay, I, I said Marianne Griffin was gonna. Um, she's got a question, so I'm gonna unmute her mic. But while she does that, uh, Chuck Thornton says, "What are your recommendations for kitchens?" That's a huge issue, Chuck. Um, we only had time to get through uh, these three things. I say our next one, maybe we we focus on some kitchens or um, an, an individual's kitchen. But uh, does does any of the panel members have some general uh, thoughts on uh, design in kitchens? There are a lot of aspects that you can you can work on a kitchen. As you mentioned, it's it's a it's a full whole full to topic by itself, but you know, lowering appliances that they are higher. There are uh, you, there are motors that we can put inside the wall cabinets that they lower the shelves for them to put their stuff in. Uh, you know, have the sink open underneath so they can roll under. Uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you can do in the kitchen, which you know I think we have to dig into it in different topics in different days. Great. Yeah, Grego. Well, I have a kitchen in my showroom here, and if you're in a wheelchair, some of the important things are having the oven and stove down where they're accessible, having a microwave where you can reach it, a split-level fridge, because if you have a standard fridge with a freezer below or a freezer above, there's a lot of things that you're not going to be able to access. But if it's split-level, split refrigerator, now you have accessibility to both sides because you're not going to stand up to grab things out of the freezer if it's on top. So it's just a more functional refrigerator for you. And you just need everything to be accessible by wheelchair, you know, most important thing. Great. Um, Marianne, I think your mic is open now. Thank you. Um, Steve, a question for the group in general. Many of us in Upper Northwest DC live in neighborhoods where we have historic preservation, which adds whole nother layers in terms of uh, permitting, etc. Have any of you worked, particularly with the outside, you know, it's very clear about what needs, you know, what, what you're allowed to do and not. Have any of you had experience on how to make the case for historic preservation for any of the changes that you discussed earlier? Wow, great question. Go ahead, Grego. Well, you know, this is true. In Georgetown, I've had difficulties with this. Um, one thing you can do is if it's temporary and not permanent and it can be removed, a lot of times they'll allow it. Otherwise, yes, you're going to have to 
design an iron railing that's almost exactly like the other iron railing and get approval for these types of things. But if it is considered temporary and you have a disability, it's pretty difficult for them to say no to that. Great. Um, Lori, I, I, uh, somebody noted that you were waving your hand that you wanted to say something. Did you wanna make a comment? And I'm, I, I think our, our audience is curious. What do you think about what these guys are saying to you about your house? Um, listen, I'm, I'm there, particularly with the stairs. I want one of those stairs, a spiral one that goes all the way, because we have four sets of stairs. So we'll have to save our pennies. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, okay, let's see. Uh, Tim Titus has a great uh, comment and uh, question. How do you avoid over-designing for aging while preserving the marketability for resale? Great question for the panel. You know, the key thing is that you're making your home. It's really hard to find a home with these types of features. If they're done beautifully, they disappear. You take those two points together and realize that your home, well-designed, well-looking with these features is the most desirable one on the block. Cool. Yeah, you know, and then you know, uh, to, to comment more on Lewis, uh, exactly. If, if it's done correctly, you don't even need to remove them if someone moves in and they need it. Uh, the other day when I was meeting uh, Lori's home, uh, she, she just renewed her bathroom, as you saw in the pictures, the one that the smaller bathroom, and she wanted to put the grab bars on the very expensive tile and, you know, make pen penetration into those. And I suggested her, you can have some grab bars from Germany that we can install with a special glue that it can be removed after you don't need it. Uh, so these are the things that we sometimes think about of resale value. And I told her if you want to sell your house or you don't need them anymore sometimes, then it easily can be removed instead of going through all repairing on your tiles as well. So there are some stuff, depends on the situation, we can recommend for the resale value or design it somehow that it can be removed uh, less harmless to the house. Great. Um, yeah, Grego, if you want to comment and then uh, Beth Wiseman, has a question, so I'm gonna unmute you, Beth. Uh, go ahead, Greg. Well, unfortunately, I can be very honest with customers and I'll ask them, how long do you intend to be in the house? And they say, well, until I drop dead. But why are you worried about resale? Let's just make it very functional for you. I, you know, unfortunately, it's the truth, you know? For a lot of a lot of my seniors, and I'll see, you know, four or five a day, so. Great, good, good comment. Uh, Beth, uh, I think your mic is open. You have a question? Um, not a question, a comment. We had a sample house in Pikesville that um, someone who made these changes did, and he took tours on it. The house was gorgeous, and, and he had to point out that these were the changes made. Nobody would know it. Step by step, he said, look, this one and this one. And you just kept going, oh, really? It was really gorgeous. So there was no problem in the resale at all if you make these changes. Thank you. Great uh, point, uh, Beth. And I think all of our panel members, that that's what they, these are, those are the types of jobs you all aspire to are the ones that you can really spend time with the customers, create a design that's customized for the family and doesn't look institutional. I think what I hear from people in your profession so often is uh, you get that phone call when somebody's in the car on the way home from the hospital and you've got to make changes immediately on a tight budget. Um, 
Steve, if I can just jump in, that's a great point. The interface between the discharge planning process and the remodeling process is really poor. Remodeling, good remodeling takes real time and planning. And that's part of the reason I want to, you know, behind the coalition efforts to incentivize people to do this while they're remodeling, make it beautiful, get your home ahead of the time. Maybe you won't fall. Prevention is a really important part, but also you can return home where you're happier and more comfortable more easily if your home has been updated before something that might happen does. Excellent. Okay, we got two more questions and uh, go, jump in there, Greg S. Um, but I got two more questions and then we'll kind of wrap things up. Uh, Greg? Th Lewis, thanks for those comments. And I wanted to throw one thing in retro back to the kitchens. You know, it's, it's great to have time and the financial ability to do the remodeling. But if you're on the way home from rehab or you're newly in a wheelchair, you have limited resources. It's also about organization. So in the kitchen, my comment is the 80-20 rule. You know, like you said, get the microwave down, but do the 20% the that you use 80% of the time. That can be reorganized. So that's actually a discipline with a good occupational therapist. <clears throat> Love it. Uh, okay, let's see. This is a good question from Janet Gritz. How do no barrier showers eliminate water leaking onto the floor outside the shower area? I've, I've always wondered that because you could be creating a slipping hazard if this is not done correctly. Uh, I'd love comments from the panel. For one thing, we usually use uh, the tile that's similar to what you use on a swimming pool deck. Kids are running on swimming pool decks all the time. Each tile has a coefficient of friction number showing how slip resistant it is. So if you use limited uh, you know, tiles with a high coefficient of friction outside the shower area, and particularly from my point of view, lots of grout lines, so two inch tile, not 12 inch tile, then you don't create these slip surfaces. Your foot grips at both the tile surface and the joints between the tile. And I, I typed in there already that you know, the qualified people, like the people on this call who know what they're doing, qualified tradespersons, um, know how to create a room where the water is going to slope back to the shower. Um, it, it's just not really that big a problem. We've all done them. I've done them in high-rise buildings, and it didn't leak into all the apartments in the 17 floors below. So it works. And also, we do waterproofing the entire floor. So if any water comes out as far as water leak, it's not going to leak anywhere. Just we need to be careful about the slipperiness of the shower. But if, if it gets done correctly, the whole bathroom needs to get waterproof so no water goes anywhere. Yeah. A, a tradesperson knows how to make the, um, it, it lets the water, knows how to uh, catch the water and put it down the drain. What the issue in practice, what happens is that when you have a, let's say, accessible shower, there's no curb. A lot of times you have the curtain, you might have a curtain on it, but it's open because you have a caregiver, let's say, helping me with the shower in my shower. So the water spray can get out on the on the outer floor area. And that's just in practice, there's, I mean, you gotta wipe it up. Sorry, that's just the way it is, but it's not flowing water. You know, there's the flowing water goes to the drain, doesn't get outside of the shower area. Lewis is correct that the tile you use is very important. Even if it gets wet on the outside, if you have a two by two tile that has a texture, you're much less likely to slip. What you, what's more important is there's no damage to anything on the outside where there's no vinyl floor, you know, and, and, and water getting on the baseboards or stuff like that if you don't do it in tiles. But uh, 
let's face it, most people with a roll-in have an aid, they have a handheld, they're being bathed and they're pointing the handheld to the inside of the shower. They're coming out in a wheelchair regardless um, on the barrier freeze. So, you know, it's, it, it, you know, it just really depends. Mopping it up too, it's pretty important, keeping it dry. Yep. Great. Wow. Okay. So now the last, the last sort of question comment is somebody who says, uh, please talk about and discuss all bedrooms and full bathrooms with a bathtub and shower are upstairs. How to locate a full bedroom with a full bathroom on the first floor with a kitchen and an entrance to the home. Have, <laughs> you, I, I like this, this question comment because it addresses aging in place and aging in community. Do you ever stumble into clients who they really want to adapt their home to make it a home for a lifetime, but the, the mechanics and, and the bones of the home, just it may be cost prohibitive to actually modify that home, but they could stay in the same neighborhood if they found a, a different home with a different floor plan. Anybody want to comment on that? I've had that, Steve. People have called me, you know, or ca I've called them back two or three weeks after a consult and um, informed them. And they are embarrassed to tell me sometimes that they've decided to move. And I always say, look, you found a better place in your neighborhood, as you say. And if you, I've helped you to make an informed decision about that, because maybe your house wasn't a great candidate for this type of remodeling, then I feel like I've done my job. Informed decisions make us comfortable with our own lives. And in some cases, I've gone on and helped them, you know, uh, make smaller adaptations to their new place. Great. Um, any, well, oh, let's see, another question came in, and this is actually a really good wrap-up question. It's Susan Kimmel says, what is Ke the Villages of Kensington doing to help your members update your homes? And uh, Susan, I will tell, because I'm on sort of this planning exploratory committee, this discussion is sort of a step in the first direction is to sort of have a dialogue and see if there's areas where we can use the, the, the members of the villages to sort of inform them on some of the changes they can make and connect them with experts in the field. But uh, Lori or Lewis, you guys might want to comment on that. The whole idea with the village movement is to create gather people together who are like-minded and love their homes and communities and provide all kinds of resources through the miracle of community. And that's why I'm involved with the village movement. Lori? Um, I would say the same thing. We're trying, you know, we're trying to, with this presentation as a start, um, we're trying to invite them to start thinking, which I guess is really the beginning. And then we will invite them to start thinking again, because I think we have to keep doing it. It's not a one-shot deal. And, um, and, and of course, one more question came in that I think is super important. This ties into what Lewis is doing, but, it, but I believe uh, some of the remodelers on the, uh, some of the professionals on this call are aware of resources. It says, are there any tax incentives for building remodeling with universal design? I know Ali and I think some of you all are involved in a program in DC where there are some there are some incentives already in place for for this. But Lewis, 
this is your mission for Homes Renewed, correct? Is it to it get is it exactly our mission to get people thinking about it and make it so that it's just still beautiful, but a little less expensive to do it the right way. Um, one of our primary goals is to make use of, make the availability of 401k and IRA money without tax or penalty with, for the elements of a remodeling project that um, contribute to accessibility and safe aging in place. And that way, everybody starts to be able to push these ideas because they actually cost less. There's also, though, I worked for 10 years and Beth Wiseman has been on the um, the chat about this, the Design for Life Montgomery program is a little um, cumbersome to make use of, but it is one of the first visitability and um, tax credit programs using property tax credits um, in the country. Um, does anybody any can get up to 10 grand um, tax, tax break uh, in Montgomery County by doing any home modifications? And the program that you mentioned in DC, those are for lower income people. That there are a lot of programs for people that has a lower income and a threshold that they have a threshold. They can help from the counties and the state. And DC has a program, Safe at Home program, that which we are uh, involved with. It. I think uh, Greg O that's uh, involved as well uh, with that program as well. Great. Holy cow, it's an hour and a half. Uh, and, and I tell you, I feel like we just scratched the surface, but this to me was one of the best discussions on this topic that I've ever been involved with. Lori, what do you, what do you think? Uh, are, uh, has, uh, do you think you're gonna be, you and your husband are gonna be thinking about some of these improvements to your home? Oh, heck yeah. I mean, you know, I've been talking to him about a stair lift for a couple of years now. So that will continue, that discussion is gonna continue. And then I think um, we're going to do something about grab bars in this master bathroom that we've just redone. I don't know what exactly, but something. Uh, so that's that's gonna that discussion is going to continue. Lori, the one thing I would remind you of is a stair lift is for somebody who literally can't walk their stairs. If you put one in too soon, you actually lose muscle tone in your legs and make your mobility even worse. Use oh, your hand railing as long as you can. Right. Oh, I'm not. I'm not talking about installing it right this instant. I'm talking about the need to think about setting aside some pennies so that we have the money to install it when it's necessary. That's all. Okay. It takes a while to convince. You see, so I always have a, a five-year plan going. Okay, that's better. Yeah. Okay. I'll always remember that the first place that you fall is in a bath. The second place is a staircase. Oh, I know. So, uh, I know. These are the most. And you already tackled the bathroom, and uh, in the future you will want to do something either either putting railings or or stair lift in the in the staircase. Yes. I fell on the stairs. I fell on my stairs and broke my neck when I oh. fell on my stairs. I have epilepsy, so I had a seizure at the top, broke my oh. neck by the time I was at the bottom. Ooh. So I had to have a few. So you know, disabilities Ooh. I totally understand because I have one of my own. So. Right. All right, guys and gals, uh, this was great. I'm gonna um, close this out. We'll send the recording, we'll send the contact info and stay tuned. We're gonna do this again. And uh, I wanna thank everybody for staying thank on for so all. long today. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thank you.